technically, it's still winter here in the triad, but this weather of late has us feeling like spring is not only right around the corner, but at times that it's already here, which means we're about to enter the hottest time in real estate. And perhaps now it's the perfect time to start talking to the Sharp Mortgage team about buying a home. When the market gets hot, being pre-approved for a mortgage loan first means that when your dream home hits the market, you're ready to make an offer. The Sharp Mortgage team has down payment assistance programs to make home ownership dreams possible for many in the Winston-Salem and Greensboro areas. They also specialize in construction lending, physician loans, and renovation loans too. Let the Sharp team prove to you how easy buying a home can be. Get started with an email to our friend Ashley McKenzie Sharp, ashley at sharploans.com, A-S-H-L-E-Y at sharp, S-H-A-R-P-E, loans.com, ashley at sharploans.com. This is the Triad Podcast Network. Welcome to our March episode of Talking Finances with our certified financial planner, Jennifer Johnson. And... Mid-March in North Carolina means a couple of things. It means allergies and fake spring and seeing the nice film of pollen on your car when you walk out in the morning, as as we were just talking about before we hit record. And it means that we are closing in on tax time. And it is already tax time for for some people, um, but we're about a month away from the deadline for filing your 2022 taxes. So we're back with a very important episode, Jennifer, to discuss some things that are routine and some things that are different for people filing their taxes this coming spring. So uh, very important time. And uh, yeah, let's let's figure out where we want to begin. Um, but I guess we'll start with how, how are you holding up with uh, with with fake <laughs> spring right now in, in, in North Carolina? It's, uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like it's hit us pretty early this year, right? We've gotten this nice spring weather and it's been so warm and things are blooming. And, and so folks will just have to overlook my nasal (laughs) for this episode, but hopefully by the next month I'll, I will have cleared up, but uh, I'm doing okay. I may just, just not quite sound like myself. That's okay. That's okay. The information we know will be solid uh, (laughs) regardless of how severe the allergies are that you might be battling on this episode. Uh, yeah. So let, let's, let's start maybe with the basics. Um, this might be the first, we've done some of these episodes around tax time before, but this may be the first time that someone's listening to us go over it. So, uh, let's start with kind of the high points that you like to, to remind people about when it comes to filing their taxes or maybe just the things they got to make sure they get tidied up before they, they, either tackle it with their with their software of choice or or go look at their or go speak to their tax professional. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I should probably start by saying, of course, I'm not a, a CPA or really a tax professional. I'm, I'm a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. But um, in, in a lot of working with folks for their financial goals, of course, taxes are a big part of it, um, both trying to mitigate the taxes you pay. So it helps you save for other goals. And then, you know, some investments that if they're not in a tax deferred account, um, you, you can have some tax consequence to that, that, you know, that makes, makes it relevant to, to what I do too. And we're in this period now where um, we're obviously have moved 
passed 2022. Some folks have already filed, um, but a lot of folks haven't. Um, we find that that tax forms often now are, are delayed and are not coming out until mid to late February. Uh, so, so, so people are probably still just now gathering their stuff up to, to, as you said, pass that off to somebody to help them with it or, or get on it themselves. And, and I think there's a few things that as we, so what I hope to do today was kind of share some things that possibly folks could do for 2022 or some important reminders. And then we'll look ahead if, if you've already done those or maybe once you're past 2022 uh, can help plan ahead maybe for this year. But, but I'll start with, with 2022 last year. Um, so, so one thing that people often don't realize is that you can still make contributions to your, your IRA or your Roth IRA up until you file your taxes for that year. So really your deadline is not the end of December for your IRA or Roth IRA contribution. It's end of tax season, right? Um, so if you're still doing that tax return, you know, it may be that you can put money in an IRA uh, and really, really help help that tax bill if you put it away tax tax deferred or tax uh, deductible, like a, a pre tax or traditional IRA. Um, that limit for for last year is six thousand. If you're under fifty, it's seven thousand. If if you were fifty last year, so you could possibly put some away now. Important point about that um, is you want to make sure you're eligible to do so, and sometimes the software that people use will trigger that, um, let them know if they're eligible or not eligible from what folks have shared. Um, but one important thing to remember is if you, if you participated in your 401k at work, most of the time you cannot also write off an IRA contribution in addition to that. Does that make sense, Adam? Yes, it does. Um, so if you're only contributing to a personal IRA, mm -hmm. you, you can you can take advantage of this. Um, but if you have a 401k at work that you're contributing to, you will not be eligible to do the same for an IRA. So so you right. can either do one or the other in terms of maxing out your contribution right. for 2022. That's right. Yeah. That's this happens periodically where where sometimes people will be doing their taxes, they'll hear something and then want to make an IRA contribution or they'll have a good tax person that says, gosh, let's see if we can do an IRA for you. But then unfortunately, I have had cases where people have put a very minimal amount in their workplace plan, and that often prevents them from doing an IRA contribution. What I would say is key is just at least consider it. Um, you know, make sure you check. Um, you know, see if you're using a software, it'll, it'll probably, you know, prompt you. Um, or ask you if you if you're going to make an IRA contribution, and it'll know if you're doing uh, 401k, for example. But it's worth considering, and and I think you know it may be a chance for folks to both accelerate their retirement savings and then maybe reduce that tax bill for last year. Uh, so just know that you could possibly still do that. Um, okay. An opportunity for folks. Yeah, that that's something I did not know. Um, I, yeah. I thought that your contributions had to be by the end of the calendar year, but what you're saying is that up until you actually file your 2022 taxes, you can, 
uh, do a contribution for that tax year. That's right. Yeah, we're in that window of time now um, where folks are, are making last year's previous years, what we call them oftentimes contributions. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I'll just just mention to folks is on the Roth IRA. You know, we love the Roth, especially for younger workers. We've talked about that before. Um, one key thing to check is make sure you haven't made too much money. And so that's something people don't know sometimes, too, is that they'll be making uh, Roth IRA contributions maybe monthly throughout the year. And now they're going to do their taxes and realize, oh, gosh, you know, I got a bonus or something. You have to make under a certain amount. And there's different limits for individuals versus couples where you can make too much such that you're prevented from doing a Roth contribution. Um, again, the software, I think, will tell you if you use the software. I'm and I'm sure a good tax person will notify you too if you have made contributions that you were not eligible to make. Key thing there is if, if you realize that that's you, I mean, that happens. Um, the most important thing is to make sure you correct it by your tax filing date. So if you have made contributions that you weren't eligible to do, get on that, you know, and get that. Maybe you can move them to a 2023 contribution or you mm-hmm. can take it out. Because if you don't, the penalty is pretty steep. Okay, yeah, that's that's helpful to know. And and maybe because you know, ideally in a podcast, we, we might be reaching a younger audience, and and maybe someone that's just starting in in uh, with a full time job and learning about how to do a four hundred one k. Can you briefly describe the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA yeah. contribution? Of course, yeah. The the traditional IRA is maybe the old school way. You you'd put money in, you would write that contribution or take that off your taxes. So it lowers your tax bill in the year you make that contribution. And then the, the idea is you've got it in there, it grows then tax deferred, which means you haven't paid any taxes yet on the, those contributions nor the growth in it. And then when you retire, you take money out of your your traditional or pre-tax IRA and you pay the taxes then um, because you've put it in before tax or pre-tax. Traditionally, that was the way to do it. Um, Several years back, a new version called a Roth IRA was developed. And the way those work is you put money in after tax. So you don't take that off your tax return. It doesn't help your tax situation. It doesn't hurt it per se. Um, and so you might say, well, gosh, why would I, why would I do that? Um, well, the main benefit to the Roth is you put the money in and then it, you know, it grows. You've already paid the taxes on your contribution, right? It grows. And then when you retire, um, everything comes out, including all the earnings tax-free at that point. You know, you've got to be in retirement age and you know, meet some, some of those restrictions. Um, but that's the benefit. So the, the power of the Roth is really the tax-free growth. You, know, you get to retirement and you don't have to figure, yes, I've got a million dollars in this IRA, but you know, I've got to pay 20 or 25 percent taxes, maybe in their circumstance. Um, but with a Roth, if you've got a million dollars in there, in theory, you could take a million out and not pay any taxes. So, so that's the main difference. Generally, what I see are younger workers that have a long time horizon ahead of them, a lot of time for that account to grow. They're maybe not as far in their career, and so they're not 
desperate for that tax deduction anyway. They're doing Roth. That's a kind of a general idea. So to your point, new, you know, a new employee, somebody new in their career, you know, the Roth is really attractive. Um, people that don't have as much time for it to grow, they're maybe in their 50s, 60s. They're in their peak earning years and they really want to get that tax deduction. They're typically doing the traditional or pre-tax IRA and they're putting that money into the account, taking off their taking that off their tax bill. And then they're going to just deal with the taxes when they retire. Um, and it's not bad to have some of both. I mean, it's very common now when we have clients retire, they'll they'll often have a couple of buckets of money, some being Roth and some being pre-tax. It, it really is helpful in planning their income um, because you have some some different you know tax buckets that we can choose from. But that's the general idea in especially for that this maybe this younger audience that's you know listening to us uh, really like the Roth. But uh, you know key thing is you know, and you and keep in mind you can still even do it for last year if you haven't filed your taxes, but make sure you're, you're under those, those income limits such that you're, you're eligible to do so. Okay. Yeah. Good explanation. That that's something that, that I didn't learn probably until it was, until I'd already been contributing to a 401k for, yeah. for a, a handful of years. So yeah. that, that's helpful to know when, when you get started, that there are two different ways to do that in terms of when that, um, when that money is, is taxed either way, it's going to get taxed. It's just the question of whether it's going in or coming out. That's right. Um, <laughs> um, okay. In, in terms of 2022 taxes, as people try to get those in order, what, what else should they be, be taking a look at? Yeah, a, couple, a couple of key points. I always try to tell people, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, tax forms seem to come out later and later. I think there's been a lot of tax rules change through different legislation that's passed. And so, that's from what we've been told by places where people have accounts. Um, you know, that's required them to, to get more information and delay them sending out their tax forms to you. Sometimes I'll find some people really want to jump on it, you know, and they'll they'll really want to try to file their tax return like early in February. And then a few weeks later, that another tax form shows up for a little like brokerage account. They started, you know, an online brokerage or something. And all of a sudden you got another tax form. Um, I mean, obviously you don't want to be late filing your taxes, but I think, you know, you want to make sure you have all your forms. If you've got an account out there, make sure, you know, there's not a form coming before you jump on it. Otherwise, you know, you, you may have to amend that return. Um, so that's that's a key thing. And, and then the other thing kind of related, you know, if you've got a maybe a brokerage account where you've bought, you know, stocks, bonds or mutual funds or something of that nature, you know, make sure if you've got any transactions in there that you're reporting those transactions properly. I mean, the, typically now your tax forms will reflect that, you know, they'll reflect, you know, that you bought a stock at ten dollars it grew to fifty dollars and then you sold it and it'll report that growth um but if it's something maybe you had for a really long time um that original transaction was done somewhere else as opposed meaning somewhere else not where you sold it you bought it um your grandpa bought it for you gave it to you and then you sold it later down the road um make sure you got you know you got all that transactional history or otherwise you might 
you know, it might look worse than what it, it really is if you're just reporting the growth. So, that, so a couple of things, I guess, there is one, make sure you got all your documents, you know, make sure, you know, you're telling your tax person if, if this was originally purchased, you know, some time ago, you inherited it, you know, make sure you got all your data points that can help not overestimate the income too. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, I, I think I think what we're highlighting here too as well is um, it is so important to to talk to somebody that that knows what they're doing. Um, certainly for you, when it comes to the to your retirement accounts, your assets, your investments, uh, a tax professional. When it comes to all of this, uh, what we're trying to do here is make sure that you know all the things you need to be looking at all the things you need to be checking, all the information you need to get, um, the contributions you could still make. Um, I think that's really what we're trying to get at here. But ultimately, it's um, we're not going to have all the answers for your situation. It, it, and it's so important to, to make sure you, you talk to somebody that has spent a, a career um, getting, mm. getting, getting to understand all of this. That's right. I mean, it's certainly not getting any simpler, right? I mean, and, and just I don't mind sharing you, I use a tax professional too, even though I've had dual courses, you know, in tax. Um, and I think it's it's important, you know, especially if you've got any complexity in your tax situation, it's probably worthwhile to, to have somebody help, help you with it. Um, and so, the, like you said, the goal here is really things for you to be aware of, maybe things for you to ask. Um, you know, your tax person, um, maybe they, they didn't know you, you were prepared to make an IRA contribution. Um, you know, it might be something just, just worthwhile asking there. And then the, the last point I'll make for last year, um, and this again is probably, uh, probably not relevant to a lot of our audience, but it might be, and it might be relevant to maybe a family member. Um, so it, it, when you cross certain ages, it's now age 73. But once you pass a certain age, there's a minimum IRA distribution that has to be done each mm. year. Um, and if you don't do it, the penalties are really steep. Now, luckily for the first year, um, you actually get a grace period till April 1st. So we're still in that window now, if you realize, or you talk to your mom or dad who, who turned in out. And the confusing thing too is last year it was 72. So if there were 72 last year and they had an IRA or 401k and you realized, oh my gosh, they didn't take enough money out or they didn't take any money out. You actually have a little bit of time to correct that. So Now's a really good time to, to find out um, if you didn't, you know, go ahead and, and jump on that and make sure you get that done so you don't face any penalties. Timing is everything in life. And I'm certainly hoping that my timing is right to deliver this message to you from the Ginther Group, a triad real estate team with a vast local knowledge. What's the question you often ask yourself when it comes to buying or selling a home? Is this the right time? Buyer's market, seller's market, low interest rates, high interest rates, doesn't matter. The answer can always be yes. You just have to strategize appropriately. And we provided many of those guides in our podcast with Blake Ginther and his team right here on this same feed. But here's a new one offered by the Ginther Group. Let's say you want to sell, but your home condition isn't ideal for a competitive marketplace. They've got a program that can help called Renovate Now, Pay Later. That's right. If your home is a little rough around the edges, you can make the improvements now and pay at closing when you sell. 
Contact the Ginther Group at 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com to learn more and see if it's an option for you. You can also talk to them about other helpful resources like their first-time homebuyer seminar or a real estate wealth management consultation. Whatever you need, contact them today and like me, you can become a Ginther Group client for life. Okay, well, that hopefully is a good summary for for folks that are still um, waiting to file their taxes. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I I use a tax professional. Um, there there's just this stage in life. There's just way too many complicated parts of this. Um, I I, I prefer to go with an expert. Um, so now I think as as people we're still you know in the first quarter of 2023, there there's some changes. Yeah. Um, in, in that people need to be aware of. And the first really has to do with contributions for retirement plans, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so especially if you're if you're done with your taxes and you realize, gosh, you know, it feels like we're paying a lot or you'd love to pay less. I mean, your retirement plan is is a great thing for you to look at. Uh, and, and the nice thing for this year is those limits really went up a lot. So what I mentioned earlier is for, was for 2022, what you could do, but for this year, for your IRA or your Roth IRA, um, you can put up to 6,500 in there. Again, assuming you're eligible. If you're 50, you can put 7,500. So those limits went up a little bit. Um, but I think the bigger is is in your 401k. You know, at work, um, you can put as much as 22,500 in out of your paycheck. And if you've turned 50 or if you will turn 50 at any point this year, you add another 7,500 to that for what okay. we call a contribution. So, so if you're 50 or older this year, you could put as much as 30,000 away and defer that from taxes. Um, so I think that, and that's an unusual jump. I mean, it, it typically we see those 401k limits move up maybe a 500 or a thousand dollars um, from year to year, but it, it really jumped a lot this year. I, I'm not sure why I, I speculate it had something to do with the inflation mm-hmm. uh, so high, but, but I would just stress, take advantage of that. Well, oftentimes, you know, you've set up a withholding in your paycheck at work um, and, you know, it may be a really good time to, to look at that, you know, and, and go ahead and increase that because, you know, you don't want to wait too late in the year and maybe hard or impossible to, to get as much in as you want. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's really important for people to know that that amount is going up. So adjust your, adjust your contributions accordingly. Um, especially if maybe this year you're you, or maybe in 2022, you turn 50, or, or you're getting ready to just know that this is, this is all, um, this is all happening. So, um, Let's see. One of the things that I, I always am interested to find out in terms of what is something that you can claim on your taxes, mm-hmm. um, interest, interest yeah. on on student loans, which we'll get to in just a little bit, but um, interest on your income um, yeah. in, in terms of your investments. What should people know this year about um, interest that they might be collecting either as as income or potentially as expenses. Yeah, right. I mean, so of course, if you get any interest income, you know, on your bank deposits or bonds or something that you own, uh, you be reported on that tax form, usually a 1099. Um, if you're getting, if you're, if you realize, wow, that's adding a lot of my 
a lot to my income. And with rates going up, it may be more significant than it has been in the past. Um, one alternative is folks can look at something called municipal bonds, which are bonds issued you know, by states or municipalities like cities, um, because those are typically not taxed by at least the federal government. And it may not be taxed by your state if you, if you choose bonds that um, are issued in your state, such as ours in North Carolina. So if you, if you find, wow, you know, our, our tax bill seems to be creeping up, you know, we reported a lot of interest last year, that might be something to consider. I mean, the, the catch is the, the typically your municipal bonds pay less interest mm-hmm. than taxable bonds. However, if you're in a high enough tax bracket, you may still be better off um, to use a, a lower interest bearing bond um, if you you know if, if you're having to pay 30, 40 percent tax you know on, on a taxable interest income. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, it's something worth looking at. Definitely it'd be uh, to your point. A little bit complicated to figure out on your own. I think I think that's somewhere where hopefully you've got somebody kind of guiding you, mm-hmm. tax person, someone like me. You know, my preference is always, you know, for clients um, is to work hand in hand with their tax professional on questions like that. Yep. Um, so you, so you know, um, you've got a, a full picture there. But that's something to consider that might, you know, especially if you look at gosh, our tax bills creeping up. Um, we're making more now we're making more interest of course our expenses are up too which we've talked about before with inflation but you know it's important to, to if you can cut the tax bill at all you know this that might be an opportunity for some folks okay you know the one thing that I, I know it's out there and it's offered through the place where I work I've never used it but I understand the benefits of it uh-huh. is the HSA. Uh, yeah. the the health savings account, healthcare savings account, um, which is another way to to do mm-hmm. to to do something to put away money that um, could potentially lower your taxable income. Yeah. You know, it, it, there there are tax advantages to this. Um, hey. Maybe just a quick explanation of the HSA and if yes. anything about that is changing in yeah. 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love the HSA, um, especially for somebody really gearing up for retirement that is doing all they can in the 401k. The HSA, um, especially if your company if your company offers it, it's just a great opportunity, I think, because what they are, as you said, are health savings accounts. Um, you put money in and, and that's a write-off for you. Now, it's my understanding you have to be on a high deductible health plan. Mm-hmm. To eligible for that. So that's something to consider. And again, you know, if, if you've got a, a, an insurance person, you can ask, be it somebody at, at your work or your individual agent, that's always kind of nice because, um, you know, the high deductible plans, you know, may mean out of, more out of pocket for you during the year. But but if, if you choose those, um, you're typically paying less in premium. And then the idea is you'd put money away in the health savings account such that if you did have a health expense, um, you'd have a pot of money there to help pay that high deductible. Now, to me, the ideal way to use those, um, I mean, you could use them year to year, 
you know, when I, I remember when I first started working, they offered some sort of like flex savings account, I think. But the idea was you'd put money in, you know, I'd put money in for my contacts or whatever, you know, out of pocket expenses, but you had to use it by the end of the year or you lost it. Right. And so I think because of that background, a lot of people think the HSA, well, I'm worried about putting money in there because what if I don't, you know, what if I don't use it? Well, the beauty of these is they actually roll over. Um, if you get enough money in there, sometimes there are investment options where it almost looks like another 401k. And it's nice in that, you, you know, you're building a, an account now specifically for health expenses. But realistically, all of us have health expenses at some point, right? And, and in, in retirement, healthcare costs are, are maybe the, the fastest growing expense you know, that people face. And so to me, the ideal way to use it, especially as folks really gear up for retirement, put money in there. Uh, if you're eligible again, and if it makes sense to be on the high deductible plans, let it build. And then when you go into retirement, if you use those for qualified um, medical expenses, which is which to my understanding is includes even like your Medicare premiums. Um, so you can really use those. Uh, in retirement and not pay tax on that. So, so to me, it's really, there's a, a double benefit in that you, you write off your contribution, right? And those limits went up. So for this year, if you're a single person, you can put 3850 or 3850 If you're a family um, on the high deductible plan, you could put as much as 7750 in there. So that's a lot, really you know, that you can put away. And if you're 55 or older, you can add a thousand to that, either one of those. So, so you can put a lot in there, ideally let it build. And then you've got a pot that, you know, you, you wrote off that contribution from your taxes and then you don't have to pay tax when you take it out. If you use it for healthcare expenses, which I mean, you know, I just feel more confident all the time, you know, that we're, we're going to have those expenses when we retire. So, so it's just another way to me, another kind of uh, another tool that folks can be using. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that and just having that, especially as folks really, really gear up for retirement, especially. And with this idea of letting it build, roll it over, have an extra pot of money for yourself. Yeah. I like that. Again, not not something that that I've used before. I used to use the um the dependent care um option, yeah. which was another one where in in a with a similar concept, you could put aside money for qualified dependent care um right. that would be taken out uh pre-tax and then used for um used to pay for childcare. So, uh similar similar concept for this, but that that's a good explanation. Okay, so as uh, what I mentioned earlier is one of the things that that I know that we write we we claim on our taxes every year is the interest we pay on our student loans um, <laughs> right. On, right. on an annual basis. And so um, if you're doing the same thing, make sure you check those statements and have those statements ready for when you file your taxes. But leads us into something we wanted to to touch on in this episode because we are uh, post the the hearings from the Supreme Court on the latest on the the several lawsuits against President Biden's student loan forgiveness program, which is why this is this is all delayed. Uh, we we 
we went through the entire program on a previous episode if you want to find that. Um, but we wanted to at least give an update on what's happened um, since February 28th, which which is when the hearings were done. Um, right. So, Jennifer, uh, you've you've summarized this this pretty well in in the notes for our show. Uh, what do you want to tell listeners about where things stand today and in, in getting close to mid March? Yeah, we're still in a little bit of a holding pattern, and just really brief summary for folks is. Basically, the the Biden plan to forgive student loans has been challenged both on a state level. There's a group of of states that have sued the administration saying they didn't basically did not have the authority to uh, to discharge those federal student student loans. Um, And then also, interestingly enough, a couple of individuals who did not qualify, which which to your point, Adam, we talked about how you have to qualify. You know, there's some income limitations and certain types of loans that you have to have to possibly be forgiven uh, in a previous podcast. But it's it's millions of people that are impacted by this or could be impacted. Um, I think for most people, they probably would see 10,000 possibly forgiven, uh, maybe as much as 20,000, though, in some circumstances. But you know, we, we shared before, you know, I think there's a few things that are important for people to know. I mean, one, I think, related to this discussion is that loan forgiveness is normally a taxable event. Um, now, we've been told in this case that if this goes through and these student loans are forgiven, that it would not be taxable. But I think that's something to keep your eye on because obviously this is an ever-evolving situation. Um, it is being contested. We hope we'll, near, we'll hear soon. Um, Normally, we would not hear, I guess, until June or July, but I think it's possible given given the fact that we've got so many people in limbo, people have applied, thought they were approved, then to be told, oh, no, wait, you know, so there's just so many folks impacted that they may prioritize the case, and hopefully we'll hear sooner. I've got about three key points, though, if you think it's okay, Adam, I'll I'll share uh, with folks. We won't dig into it completely, but... Uh, a couple of key things that I think, I think we, we discussed it most likely in our previous podcast, but I think now is probably important, important reminders. Yeah. Sure. I, I, and I, it sounds like the theme to all of this um, is if you do end up getting forgiveness, don't go and, you know, renovate your kitchen. Uh, Yeah, that's right. I mean, hopefully for those folks that that really need it, you know, we certainly hope that'll that'll go through because we know we know student loans are a struggle for a lot of people. So so certainly that we hope that that comes to some good, good results for them. But I think I think it's really important because there has been a lot of confusion around this, right, that folks, you know, have gotten different communications about it. I, I think really important things that I've shared with folks and is that, you know, I even had a, a case, I think we talked about before where somebody had made payments that actually paid off their loan during the pandemic in which they did not have to make those payments, but they were close, you know, wanted to be done with it, felt like we'd probably have to be dealt with at some point. And they actually got a refund of those payments. However, because this of this argument, this, this debate, uh, a loan was established again for them for the amount they were refunded while we're in this limbo period. So I think it's really important. I mean, that was a surprising situation for me to hear of is that if you've got a refund of those payments, 
don't spend it yet. I mean, we don't know, you know, if they may, if this falls through, they may, you know, you may have to repay that. Um, and, and I think too, you know, be prepared, as we said before, you know, these challenges may mean the plan is not upheld and you would have to start paying back that loan. Right. So, mm-hmm. so don't go crazy, you know, add, you know, real, okay, we don't have to pay that back. We're going to buy a car, um, you know, and, and add another loan payment, you know, be prepared. Uh, hopefully we'll know in coming months, but I think for now, just make sure you can make the, start to make those payments um, if you have to. And, and I think lastly, too, again, related to our, our tax update is make sure, you know, when let's say let's say the plan is upheld and the loans are forgiven. Make sure you, you check and say, OK, is this going to be reported as taxable? Because I think it's clear to me there every little piece of this is kind of being fought and argued, right? So um, it's certainly possible that they could decide that that okay, we'll forgive it, but it's going to be taxable, in which you might have a surprise, you know, this time next year. Again, hopefully you want. We've been told initially that it would not be, but we've been told a lot of things. So I would just say that's one thing to keep keep in mind. Keep that on your on your radar. Yeah, and and you know the the lawsuits that spawned this hearing happened um uh, several months ago but one of the things they're gonna have to try to prove is how how were the people that filed the lawsuits what kind of damage did they actually suffer Mm -hmm. as a result of this and that might be something that they have to do to win to win this battle um now the other part of this is uh sofi has gotten involved um, mm. because obviously they've, they've been affected by payments not having to be made and if these loans are forgiven. So if, if the federal government has to settle with SoFi, maybe the, I don't know, I'm, I'm spitballing here, you know, could, could the, could what is forgiven be taxed and that money potentially settled with SoFi? I don't know. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's all to say what, what you're getting at, which is celebrate and 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 if if you all of a sudden get this relief um but don't don't do anything immediately um there because there's still some things that that might need to play out after uh the supreme court renders its decision that's right that's right i just hope we know soon because it feels like it's been hanging out there for i mean i think the plan was what announced in september if i remember yeah. right first mm-hmm. so we're and in yeah, October is when the the website went live and when people could start right. applying and yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're a good six months in and still don't seem to have any real answers. So I'm so I'm hopeful in the next couple months that they will give us a final decision so folks can really make plans and move forward. I would just stress those few things for, for the time being is be prepared. You may have to make some payments, pay back, make payments going forward and, you know, make sure you know what the tax implications of that are. Yeah. It seems to be, I think when you say the next couple of months, um, my, my, my guess is we're going to probably find out in June Yeah, uh, and hopefully early June, because I believe what June 30th is the latest, uh, when, when people have to start making their payments again. Yeah, it's true. So, so, so we better know something in early June <laughs> or they're right. going to extend it again. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Right. I guess if that time passes and they haven't made a decision, I'm not sure if you have to, I'm guessing you'd have to start making payments. So it'll be interesting. I hope they, I hope they can get on it, you know, faster yeah. than that. So 
what do they say? The wheels of justice move slowly or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. But, uh, I think you're, I think you're on the right track <laughs> for sure. Um, well, Jennifer, this, this was really, uh, really educational, um, tax Good. information for the previous tax year. If you haven't filed yet, what's coming this year. And then uh, an update on, on student loan forgiveness, which is hung up in litigation as, uh, many things often are. So, That's uh, yeah. We'll uh, hopefully by the time we speak next month, everyone is, has done all of their taxes and we don't have to go back to that. We can start on something maybe a little bit more, uh, more fun. Yeah. What do you say? Well, April will make it a more fun episode. That's right. We'll, we'll come up with <laughs> next. But hopefully it's been helpful for folks. I've enjoyed it, Adam. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Securities offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Cetera Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Cetera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. The market indices discussed are unmanaged. Additional risks are associated with international investing such as currency fluctuations, political and economic stability, and differences in accounting standards. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and not necessarily those of Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode on the Triad Podcast Network. Our mission is simple. Provide information, advice, and stories about the people and places that make the North Carolina Triad such a great place to be. You can find us by searching Triad Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you like to listen. If you like what you heard and want to support the show and those that contribute, we would truly appreciate a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It helps spread the word along, as do your shares on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Triad Podcast. To get in touch with us, simply email info at triadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Triad Podcast Network.